Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. We like to talk about movies, sports, whatever else we feel like. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man. And today we're going to be talking about uh, WandaVision in a new set of podcasts that we're going to refer to PB&J Shorts. (laughs) This is going to be more of a traditional review versus what we usually do scene by scene. And this will be released to our wonderful and lovely patrons first, and then several months, three or six months down the line, we'll release it to the general public as a podcast. So you guys get our take on more current things that we're watching right now. It will hopefully be slightly more current than our than our actual podcast. <laughs> hopefully about the same realm as our sports podcast, where they you know those things typically air two weeks after the sporting event. <laughs> I promise we'll get better next season. No, we won't. No, we won't. <laughs> That's like a New Year's resolution right there. Yeah. yeah I'm sure we'll we'll get better recording sports shows so it's more topical. <laughs> oh, you were being serious. <laughs> okay, so for this, we're going to go through WandaVision episode by episode. But first, let's get an overall view of the series. I guess I'll, I'll do a slight explanation. So WandaVision, Disney Plus TV show, spoiler alert, everything ahead is spoilers if you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it, what have you been doing? Because, you know, we're all still stuck in Corona times. So. For the Patreon members, I'm sure if you got enough money to give to us, you got enough money to get Disney Plus and have watched it already. For the general public, if it's taking you this long to watch it, what are you waiting for? Yeah. So WandaVision, uh, Disney Plus TV show, first Marvel TV show that has full effect both ways. In the MCU, as in both the events of the MCU have effect on the Marvel show and the things that happen in the Marvel show supposedly will have an effect on future MCU movies. Uh, Specifically, the first tie-in we know is supposed to happen will be Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, at least for the events that happen in WandaVision. WandaVision takes place sometime after Endgame, mostly starring Wanda, Maximoff, and her dealing with reality. And if you remember, she is one of the people that disappeared at the end of Infinity War. So she blipped ahead uh, five years. She almost killed Thanos before he told them to rain fire down onto the battlefield, then prompting the need for Captain Marvel to come in and save the day. So from her perspective, Vision has died twice in rapid succession right before she disappeared into nothingness. (laughs) that's really all we have about her into the lead up of the show so first impressions about the show from the fat man first impressions i mean they did a good job of keeping a lot of things a mystery but i was just very very frustrated with pacing because it was a lot of drag out for most of it and then it all got slammed together at the end that was my perception of it i do like how you know for most of the series it was a bit of a mystery you know who's doing what and how is it happening and and that sort of thing. So that was that was cool. And they threw things in there and you're like, oh, how did that happen? And is this really what we think it is? And, and things like that. Plus the sort of commentary on TV shows over the decades was kind of fun too because it was a lot of uh, sitcom comedy. You know, it was all, like she modeled the whole thing after different American TV sitcoms. So that was cool. 
and one character I thought uh, they did a really good kind of job of redeeming was um, Agent Wu. Jimmy Wu. Agent Wu. That was cool because they made him seem not like a complete buffoon. Well, you know, and I get that was his part in the Ant-Man movies, but now he's like, you know, he's a character you could like and invest in a little bit. And then casting was good. So overall, if I had to grade it on a grade, like an American grading scale, I'd give it a B plus. Fair enough. So my take, I absolutely adored this show. From start to finish, it was exactly what I wanted every moment to moment. It was wonderful. I loved my, I loved every experience of it. I'm glad it was nine episodes instead of six. <laughs> like it was originally, like I originally thought it was going to be. It, and I loved, I loved the campiness. I loved how they kept everything secret. I loved the way they slowly built into the bigger story. I, you know, I love the fact that we ended with a super typical Marvel big CGI fight, you know, <laughs> I, 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 just the costuming, the callbacks to all the shows, the uh, humor, the kind of humor as it marched forward, the sitcoms, every style of show they did. I loved I enjoyed the character development, Jimmy Woo. And it's sort of off-screen character development, but you go from Jimmy Woo being attempting to do magic tricks in the Ant-Man shows to being able to like just pull him out, you know, rabbit out of a hat, and being able to jumpstart cars. And he's he's just he's there's much more to Jimmy Woo than you thought before. And it's a full B lineup, right? Right. You have Jimmy Darcy's in it, Monica Rambo coming in. I I really enjoyed. It. I loved the little. Mind below Easter eggs they put in with uh, Evan Peters playing Quicksilver for a couple episodes. That was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Kathy thought they were going to mesh X Men in with the Avengers with that move. I, I think a whole lot of people did. I didn't necessarily think that's what was going on. I thought it was possibly it was something. I just thought it was really interesting and it was a lot of fun. And of course, it turned out to be a boner joke. <laughs> right. It's just, it's just, it's, it's just so awesome. <laughs> that was a very Ryan Johnson move. Yes. <laughs> Guess what? It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yep. It was a red herring all along. Communism was a red herring. <laughs> okay, so you got nine episodes. First episode was filmed before live studio audience, and they in fact did film this before live studio audience. Oh, really? Yeah. There's a making of uh, WandaVision one episode deal on um, Disney Plus. Oh, yeah, like Disney Magic or. Yeah, and I think it's going to be they're going to do making ofs for all the TV shows that are eventually going to be episodes in that series. Mm-hmm. But it was about an hour and a half long, okay. I want to say. But yeah, they did film for a live studio audience. It's interesting because you get to see the color on that one because you don't see the color in the actual show because the show is filmed in black and white. Right. It's styled after the Dick Van Dyke show. Or Bewitched. No, no, Bewitched was the next one. Those were black and white. Mary Tyler Moore was in color. Bewitched started black and white and ended up going into color. Right, right. Which is what they do at the end of the uh, second episode. Oh, okay. I got you. It plays out like a typical 1950s sitcom, except Wanda and Vision are trying to hide their secret identities from the townsfolk. Mm -hmm. There's just not a lot of explanation of what's going on. The episode was uh, Boss Comes to Dinner. That was the motif of the episode. Yep. Boss comes to dinner, but wife doesn't realize this is going to happen until... It happens. She thinks it's their anniversary. They don't know. They suspect, but neither one of them knows when their anniversary is. Right, and that kind of comes up. Like, they don't they don't have a song. 
or an anniversary. They don't even have rings, right? Right. In this episode, we meet the nosy neighbor, right? Stereotypical. And this is a trope that goes for all of television ever, which is which is why they did this very cleverly. You get Agnes, who introduces herself, comes into Wanda's house, assumes she's single, right? Because she doesn't have a ring. And then starts becoming buddy-buddy with Wanda as the nosy neighbor. And we, we <laughs> I absolutely love all the jokes about Ralph. <laughs> about Agnes's husband because we never meet Ralph, right? So Ralph doesn't exist. Right, right. <laughs> That's another kind of sitcom trope is that there are characters in some of those where you just never see... It's typically done, like from what I can recall of old sitcoms, a man talking about his wife that you never meet. Yeah. And so in this one, it was the wife talking about the husband that you never meet. And she... Oh, I wish Ralph would remember our anniversary, but unless there was a beer named June 13th... <laughs> right. <laughs> So, oh, the whole episode is just so campy and so well done. They used visual effects from that era. They didn't do it with computer effects. They did the actual like stuff on wires for the flying stuff, and they did actual visual effects. Right. In part because they had a studio audience that they were filming everything in front of. It also goes again with that whole motif of this is a 60s you know, sitcom. But I, I actually, it's like more 1950s. 50s. You get a commercial in the middle of it for Stark Industries Toastmate 2000. Right. Yeah, so each each of the commercials kind of spawns a lot of theories from a lot of people. I saw there were theories about the different commercials representing different Infinity Stones, mm. which seemed to hold all the way up to the Halloween episode. Uh, the first one was the toaster, and so people were like, okay, that's the Power Stone. The second one was the watch, so that's the Time Stone. The third one was the, the bath. The paper towels one was supposed to be the because it was red. The Lagos paper towels, <laughs> and but um, was supposed to be the reality stone. The reality is these don't seem to really match up with Infinity Stones as much as they match up with just events in Wanda's life. Right. You have the toaster matches up with the explo- the blowing up of her house with the Stark missile that malfunctions. The watch is named Strucker. Right, and that's the Hydra person. The Hydra soak bath is the her being brainwashed. Lagos paper towels. Lagos is where she blew up the UN building on accident. Or not UN building, but just the, the one building on accident. The Yo Magic yogurt, I think, was a direct... That was a Halloween episode one where the shark... And I think that was a direct representation of her getting ashed. Of her getting blipped or whatever by Thanos. Because the, the main... I guess the protagonist in the commercial, the kid who's being given the Yo Magic yogurt, like he can't open the yogurt and then he dies. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of like, wow, that's pretty dark. (laughs) Dark for a commercial. And then the last one we see is the Nexus antidepressants, which is my favorite of all the commercials. The funny part is each of these commercials, they age with the show as it goes through the various decades. Right. So by the time you get to the, the Nexus antidepressants, we're in the 90s, right? Or the, yeah, the 90s or the 2000s. It's, you know, a drug commercial. Mm-hmm. Side effects might include. <laughs> Very 90s. Realizing that you're not the center of the universe. But maybe you are. <laughs> <laughs> Nexus is actually a call forward to something from the comics. In some of the timelines, Wanda was a Nexus character. In all of the the various multiverse situations, she was the same in all of them. 
there were certain Nexus characters who were the same in every in every universe. And they were usually lynch points. Like if somebody traveled from universe to universe, they would find that person because they knew who they were. <laughs> I remember one comic line. It was like Reed Richards, Dr. Doom, or Victor Von Doom, and Tony Stark. Out of the three of them, two of them were always good and one was evil. <laughs> no matter what multiverse they went in, <laughs> they had to find out which was the evil one. <laughs> <laughs> one out of three scientists is evil. <laughs> yeah, one out of three ultra smart science turns out to be evil. Shocked. Shocked. Shocked juice. So, film before live studio audience, back to the actual episode. I loved it. I loved it as an episode. So campy. Most people who were not me walked away from that going, what in the f- is going on? <laughs> so, the only people I would think that would be like that were people that are, I guess, would be significantly younger than us. Because, like, we grew up when TV Land came out. It was a part of Nickelodeon after, like, 8 p.m. or something. Nickelodeon would turn into TV Land. And that's when you'd start watching all these old sitcoms, you know? Yeah. All of them. You know, Dick Van Dyke, Bewitched, I Dream of Genie, you name it. They were on there. I think the reaction was, I thought we were watching a Marvel show, and I'm watching a 1950s sitcom. What the hell's going on? Well, if you didn't know that that was going to happen, then you didn't watch any of the previews, because the previews kind of gave you that impression anyways. In this episode, we're introduced to Vision's work, where he works at Computational services and he's desperately attempting to figure out what they actually do there but he can't ain't nobody <laughs> but he's giving him a straight answer <laughs> which again is another trope because in most sitcoms when the husband goes to work they don't actually talk about what they do i mean there's a few occasions like mary tyler moore you know she works at a tv station yeah or i dream of genie you know he's in the air force but a lot of other ones it's like he's a businessman that's it. <laughs> yeah. What business? I don't know. It's a business, man. Yeah, some kind of business. We don't care. None of, none of, that, none of those interactions really matter. <laughs> and so, and we get these weird moments, right? Like it's going along like a normal 1950 sitcom. And then at the dinner table, uh, Mr. Hart starts to choke on his food. And uh, nobody goes to save him. And there's this weird look between Wanda and Vision like, what do we do? And Mrs. Hart the whole time is saying, stop it, stop it, stop it. And you can't tell. Like a broken record. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like the more she goes on, the more she's asking Wanda to stop it. Like she she's pleading with Wanda to stop what's happening. Because in, you know, in a real life scenario, a wife might do that for a little bit. But then she would switch to, oh, God, he's choking. Someone do the Heimlich maneuver. <laughs> you know, right. it, it, instead of for some reason, she's. Like this broken record. Eventually, Wanda tells Vision to save him, and he does. He just sticks his hand in him and pulls out the thing. And then they go, like nothing happened. And that's the episode, right? And it ends uh, with a very interesting little, like, at the very end of it, you know, it says, was it Stand By? Yeah. It goes to that, the Indian head or whatever, the, the color the logo thing and it's a standby yeah. please stand by and it kind of zooms out a little bit at the very end and you see somebody is writing in a notebook and there are a couple symbols like a symbol on the notebook and in the on the equipment in the background like they're watching they're they're watching this on tv and there's a sword symbol literally that it's a sword and it says sword <laughs> i thought that was an interesting pivot you don't really know whose sword is yet that doesn't really get explained till later so i guess we can go on to that later any final thoughts about film before live studio audience? Oh, I mean, it was pretty classically done. Um, made you think a little bit, but you, again, you're just like, okay. 
something's going on. I want a little bit more. And I mean, maybe the suspense is okay, but there wasn't enough there to make you think that there was a real backstory to it. I mean, as far as you know what's going on, it's just a random thing. Like, this is just a random show. <laughs> Almost a one-off. Like, the whole show is just going to be one strange one-off. Yep. So, like I said, you could tell there was a core story, but they really weren't feeding it to you. Yeah. We go to episode two. It's called Don't Touch That Dial. We kind of move forward into the 1960s. It is almost not Bewitched. Oh, Bewitched. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> the intro is like taken directly from Bewitched with the animated style of the characters, you know, kind of big heads, slim bodies flying around town. It's Vision and Wanda. Then we go into the show itself. We're still in black and white. Wanda is no longer the 50s housewife. She's now the 60s housewife, so she's wearing pants, <laughs> which, which get pointed to a couple times in the episode, which I thought was interesting. So everything in the, the show is a lead up to a talent show at the end of the show. Wanda goes along with Agnes to a meeting for all the, um, I guess, all the housewives or whatever, the planning committee for the, the talent show, which is for the children. For the children. <laughs> and while there, Wanda meets another lady, uh, Geraldine, and kind of hits it off with her. And Dottie is sort of the matriarch of the, the neighborhood wives. And there's a scene where Wanda and Dottie are alone. And Wanda says, I think we got off on the wrong foot. And you start hearing over like, this is the the second time you get the weird moment, right? Uh In the first episode, you had one strange moment. That was dinner. And that was towards the end of the episode. Second episode, you have this strange moment kind of come in around halfway through the show, maybe a third. And you hear somebody calling Wanda's name out of the radio. And Dottie looks like scared. And she's looking at Wanda and she says, what is that? And it ends up breaking the class. And then it sort of fritzes a little bit. And uh, then everything's back to normal. And Dottie's Dottie again. And, and Wanda seems confused about it all. <laughs> the second real weird thing that happens in that episode is the is the very end. Wanda suddenly becomes pregnant at the beginning of the episode when you know Wanda moves their beds together, right? So we move from the 1950s to the 1960s. Adults are now allowed to sleep in the same bed together, <laughs> right? And so it's implied in a scene there that they they're getting it on, <laughs> and, right. and by the end of the episode, Wanda's visibly pregnant. And they go outside, and uh, this beekeeper comes out of the the manhole, and Wanda looks at him and just says no, right? And he's got the same logo on his beekeeper outfit, like the the sword. And she just says no, and then it fritzes, right? And then he's gone. Right. Oh, yeah, I forgot. And earlier in the show, the other weird thing, she walks outside and she picks up a helicopter toy. Right. And it's colored. Like, everything else in the episode is still black and white, but it's colorated. Right. Red and gold. Yeah, and it has the sword logo on it, too. Right. And she's trying to figure that one out. She seems confused about that, too. And then you see the beekeeper, and then and I think it's before the beekeeper scene the whole world gets colorized. Right. It's another kind of campy 1960s sitcom with a big thing at the end where the the magic people are trying to keep the fact that they're magic from the the regular folks. They manage to get Vision drunk <laughs> by having him eat gum. Gum, that's right, gum and he swallows it and it gets stuck in his gears. And so he acts all loopy and and dopey. But yeah, that that was the episode. So there's at least 3 times where 
it seems like the outside world or something else is hinted at that's going on. There's there's something different happening here, something strange. Right. Kind of breaks in. So in the first episode, you only had the one time. Now you've got three times. And the commercials about Strucker, so about the watch. The reason why these little bits were annoying me is because we knew it was a limited series. You know, I just wanted to get to the heart of it. And knowing that not only is it a limited series, but that... I was going to have to wait even longer for the connection point of the series to a movie take place. So it's like, just give me what you can when you can. This little bitty bites here and there is going to drive me nuts. Yeah, I know. And I wasn't concerned. <laughs> I think part of that is that at episode two, we still thought it was only a six episode series. And so we were like, we're, we're like two, we're a third of the way through this. <laughs> well, even at nine episodes, it was only going to be, see, unlike like the Mandalorian, we knew this was going to be it. No more was happening after this. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So we move into the episode three, which is called Now in Color. I'm trying to remember what sitcom the intro from this was from. Oh, this was Brady Bunch. That's right. And it's interesting because each episode, they change the house, like the house the layout of the house stays the same, but they change all the interior decorating, how everything's set up. Right, to coincide with the decade. That's right, yeah. So everything everything keeps changing. Basically, this episode completely focuses on the pregnancy and the fact that it's moving forward at a really rapid pace. <laughs> There's several times where Vision calculates the pregnancy is going to last a matter Never of... Never mind the fact that they're not even sure how they got pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the great part. <laughs> And it's, oh, it could be a matter of months or weeks or days, or it turns out to be hours. Because <laughs> Wanda just rapidly goes through her pregnancy. she And her, her pregnancy affects her magic. And she has an effect on the entire world around them. Like when her water breaks, it starts raining in their house. <laughs> right. And apparently in everybody else's house <laughs> as well. <laughs> And she accidentally makes the uh, picture of the stork come to life. That's right. Yeah. And then Geraldine comes over and she's constantly trying to hide the fact that the stork is walking around the room and hide the stork from Geraldine, as well as hide the fact that she's, you know, now six or more months pregnant. <laughs> and at this time frame, Vision has gone to get the doctor and he's running at super speed. So there's a lot more caution to the wind as far as their special powers go. Basically, if things are weird, it happens a lot more in this episode. And hiding that becomes more and more difficult. And if I remember correctly, this is when Agatha kind of hints to Vision that something's going on. Right. So there's a scene where Norm, who's the neighbor, who's one of the neighbors, and Agatha are talking. There's a wall, and then above the wall there's some hedges, and Norm is, like, cutting part of the hedges and Norm just keeps cutting into the wall <laughs> with his edge trimmer. And Vision is like, hey, buddy, what's um, what's going on there? <laughs> oh, hey, Vision. Vision says something like, I think you went too far. You know, it's this sort of little, it's like a normal joke exchange you would see in a sitcom, but it's a very strange right. situation because he's cutting into a wall. <laughs> <laughs> With a hedge trimmer, which is not really something you could actually do. <laughs> and then later, we have another scene at the same wall where Agnes is there. His name, his name is it Herb? Whatever. But with that character, and they're talking, and they're talking about Geraldine, and the fact that she doesn't actually live in the town, that she doesn't have a home. 
And this is the same time when Geraldine is inside. Wanda goes into labor, starts having the babies with Geraldine there. Geraldine drops what she's doing. She's telling a story about becoming corporate, getting a job, and she drops what she's doing, and she helps Wanda have the babies. Turns out to be twins. And that's when Vision shows up with the doctor. And that's after that's a conversation where they talk about Geraldine not having a home. Then we see on the inside, Geraldine is with Wanda and they're they're talking and Wanda mentions that she is a twin. And then Geraldine says, oh, yeah, that's right. Ultron killed your brother. That's sort of like the first real there is an outside world. <laughs> you know, like lots of weird stuff has happened up to this point. But that's the first time you get this feeling that, OK, this is actually part of the larger Marvel Universe Ultron is acknowledged, the fact that she had a brother and he was killed by Pietro, or Piet, not by, by Ultron, but Pietro was killed. And you have Wanda kind of turn on Geraldine and ask her, you know, who she is, where she's from, and what the, the thing on her necklace is, and, the, and it's the thing on her necklace is a sword logo. But Geraldine just doesn't know. Like, she's trying to figure it out, but she she's... And you can tell she's sort of like trying to figure it out at the mercy. It's it's like a little kid with a teacher trying to figure out the answer to the question the teacher just answered or just asked. Right. Then Wanda says, you know, I think you should leave. Uh, and then we go to Vision and Vision comes in the door and he asks where Geraldine is. And, and Wanda just says, oh, she's gone. She had to leave. <laughs> you're like, OK, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> And so this is where you get a lot more bubbling to the surface on this one. Well, isn't it the end of this one or like the end of the credits when you see Geraldine getting thrown out of basically the dome, the bubble? Yeah, you see her like come out of something, right? And she's out on the grass and all these like uh, military vehicles are pulling up to her. And they ask her and she says, it's Wanda. It's all Wanda. And that's when, it, you know, please stand by, right? <laughs> right. What are you going to do with this series? We're going to make people really hate the phrase, please stand by. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, uh, okay, this is this thing that we've been watching is happening inside of something controlled by Wanda, or at least Geraldine says it's controlled by Wanda. But we don't really know what's going on, but it, it's still part of the greater Marvel Universe. I view that episode as kind of a transition point. You know, up to this point, we're kind of, it's kind of like we have a stock pot that we've been boiling, mm-hmm. and now it's boiled over. The lid has been shaking a little bit here and there with the first and second episode. At the By the end of the third episode, the lid's, like, falling off. <laughs> right. And now we get to look inside, and that brings us to the fourth episode. We interrupt this program. And this episode is a complete 180 from the last three episodes. It's not focused on the Wanderer Vision. It's focused on the outside world stuff and explaining how... We got to the story with Wanda and Vision. Yeah. There is just a ton of information in this episode. The episode starts with Monica Rambo coming back from being blipped. Right. So Monica Rambo, you listen real closely, you hear Captain Marvel calling her Captain Trouble or whatever it was. You realize she's Monica Rambo, so she's Captain Marvel's old wing woman's daughter. Honestly, I mean like one of the more interesting points here is coming back from the blip scene the world react to all of a sudden everyone being right back. Yeah. I mean, the, the complete chaos and confusion and what year is it? What day is it? Where is my mother? Do you have a phone? All that stuff. Because when Monica Rambo comes back, she's back in the hospital room her mother was in and her mother's not there. And she's freaking out going, oh, where's my mother? And you start to really kind of realize the sudden impact uh, of everyone coming back at once, you know, and the confusion. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, this topic does get broached 
in Spider-Man Far From Home, but it gets handled in a... Afterthought. Yeah, it's sort of the... the what is it? The sport... Or not sports. The school newscast that happens during homeroom that they have the kids do, and they talk about it, and then they move on, right? Right. The wider ramifications for, I don't know, somewhere between five and seven billion people suddenly showing back up there's so many questions like you know what about people who were in airplanes or on boats or you know i mean are they all falling to the earth and splashing or you know drowning in the ocean now or like what you know what about all the sailors and submarines are they like you know what happened to all these people and you kind of get a taste of the just utter chaos and and the reality of it right it's not all reuniting in a wonderful way. There's lots of other stuff. Because Monica comes back and finds out her mother died three years ago. Well, that was two years after she left, right? She And she missed out on two years with her mom. And her mom looked like she was going to be perfectly fine after the cancer. And she comes back and she's died from it. And, and what kind of a shock is that? <laughs> right. I mean, you probably have people who have entirely new families now. So, yeah, we came up with a line, Tony Stark is an ass. Because <laughs> that was his one condition. You can't change anything that's happened since then. I'm like, well, <laughs> a lot of shit has happened. Right. And it's like, mm, we probably, seeing as how we had all the power in the universe, probably could have handled this better. <laughs> yeah. Since, you know, he had the galactic monkey claw. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. (laughs) (laughs) The monkey's paw. Yeah, that's it. The galactic monkey's paw. Again, it's very brief, right? You get that and then you move on to to sword and you're like, well, what's sword? Because over the course of the Marvel movies, we had the death of S.H.I.E.L.D. And in the comic books, there was a there was a follow up organization to Shield. It was called Hammer. Mm-hmm. So it's it just interesting they've gone in kind of a different way with with this organization, Sword. It was an organization founded by Monica Rambo's mother, Maria. It was being run by a guy named uh, director Tyler Hayward. It's interesting when you get the flyover of the Sword base. It's like a one large building in the center, and then a whole bunch of launch pads around it. With various, you know, Saturn V looking rockets. <laughs> you get uh, an interaction between Monica and Jimmy Woo. Monica's kind of set out on what she thinks is a missing persons case. Jimmy Woo meets her at the town and then explains that it's not a missing person, it's a missing town. <laughs> West, right. Westview, New Jersey, which has been shown as the location of the TV show. WandaVision in all the intros, right? They At some point during all of the intros to all of the previous episodes, Westview, New Jersey was the setting. And Monica decides to go touch the wall, after which she gets sucked in by the wall. <laughs> I thought it was really cool how they did the wall. The CMBR field, mm-hmm. the old style TV with the TV tube. If you got really close, you could see all the little, the blue, red, green light pixels that made up all of the other the colors you see on a TV, like they made a, a, you know, an invisible wall out of that. So when you got close to it, it, it like a TV, it would turn into that and you could see the pixels. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> they did that. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. Yeah. And that was kind of interesting. So, you know, in a lot of TV shows, the visual effects are kind of on a shoestring in comparison to major motion pictures. Mm-hmm. And it looks like that's not the way they went with this show. They kept to the same visual effect level as they did in most of the movies. And that's just because they didn't want the visuals taken away from the story. Much like with The Mandalorian, it was, okay, we want to tell a story and we want to tell it 
good. So we're going to spend whatever money we can, whatever money is needed to make that good. It wasn't a question of money. It's only been a question of technology. And I'm sure like the Mandalorian, they've invented new things to make it work. Yeah. So it was, it was a lot of fun. This program felt very much like a Marvel movie. Like we were in the Marvel universe. Darcy comes on the scene. You know, she's the one that figures out the TV show is actually being broadcast and they start watching it. You get to know Darcy. You get to know Hayward. You get to know Jimmy Woo. You know, at first, Hayward doesn't seem like a bad guy. He just seems like a, you know, kind of a hard government kind of a guy running a, an organization. It's interesting how they decided to go with his character. <laughs> I'm not sure I necessarily liked how they ended it. I was okay with where they went to it till like the very end. <laughs> his character just seemed like we're going with the same old trope about these guys and these government agencies and nobody's learned anything. I mean, you think when the blip happens like people would get wise to you are absolutely not going to be able to control certain things you know <laughs> and that's part of my problem with a lot of marvel villains are kind of one note characters mm-hmm. and that's okay in, in a lot of respects but uh, some of these guys i really hope for more loki's been kind of the one shining example loki and um killmonger are kind of the two shining examples of villains who had better motivations than oh i'm evil (laughs) (laughs) i was really hoping hayward was gonna be one of those but you know the last episode he shoot he tries to shoot the children and it's just like well i guess it's just evil (laughs) you know (laughs) right it's the old anakin skywalker idea the uh i'm I'm doing this for the right reasons Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna do whatever it takes for the right reasons. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, spoiler alert for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that kind of seems like where they're going with Captain America. And I agree with you that the, the one dimensional thing is kind of annoying because it's like, okay, but we did this. We've been doing this for, you know, for decades and decades of visual entertainment. Next week will be a new adventure. Well, no, it's not a new adventure. It's just the same old story told with a different villain. Yeah, you made the villain different and a little more interesting because he's different, but he's still the villain, just like the last one. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's my that's my problem with Hayward. But at the beginning, he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, in this episode, just it sort of explains, yeah, it was Jimmy Woo talking through the radio to try and get her attention. We see Monica come out of the, the hex. And that's, I think, where this episode ends. So you kind of get what, what was happening on the outside mm-hmm. of the hex up until that point. And the last thing you kind of get to see is what happened in the scene between Monica and Wanda, where Wanda literally casts her out of the town and she just goes flying <laughs> all the way out till she hits the hex border and then falls on the ground. We later discover that in later episodes that Monica's DNA has been altered by crossing through the hex as well as her clothing. We find out that the awesome 70s clothing she was wearing is bulletproof because she was wearing a bulletproof vest when she went in and that's gotten morphed. And so the things that get morphed are morphed in real life. The hex is kind of a real, it's a reality breaking sort of a thing in more than just a visual way, right? It doesn't just affect like what you're seeing visually, it actually changes the thing right this has been another episode of pat and the fat man we want to thank our patrons again for patronizing our show and for giving us the opportunity to hang out with you please uh give us uh feedback ideas whatever you want ask to come on the show whatever man we're we're cool (laughs) i'm pat i'm the fat man stay classy fat man smash Mm-hmm. Nothing. Oh, okay. You okay?
I didn't do anything. Okay. <laughs> Somebody's throwing stuff. <laughs> nice. We doing a podcast or what? <laughs> <All right. laughs>